Welcome to the Straight Talk Physio Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Andrew Junak and Dr. Craig Giambattista. On today's episode, we're going to talk about questions patients always ask us. Uh, today's segment is going to focus on what is causing outer hip tightness. So this podcast was actually spurred by uh, somebody in the gym. I was just hanging out in the gym, getting ready to go do a workout, and they said, hey, what do you think could be causing this uh, tightness in the side of my hip? And they almost pointed to, the, to their low back, but it was this like area in between. And I think they were a little surprised because I couldn't give them a straight answer. And the reason was because I didn't take them through a scientific process of figuring out what was actually going on with them. And I think it's pretty common that we get these questions all the time, like at, at family dinners and uh, different events like that, uh, in the gym, all the time. We're always getting fielded with this stuff. So, you know, my response to it was a little bit, I guess you could say general. It was like, well, you know, if I was able to take a look and, you know, watch this and this move and all this other stuff, and, and you could tell it wasn't the answer they were looking for. Um, Craig, do you find yourself running into this at all? Uh, because I know we're going to go into a lot more detail here, but I want to get your thoughts and see if this is something you see frequently. Do family members ask you about this stuff and how do you respond? Because sometimes it puts me in a weird situation. Yeah, this, like you said, it happens all the time. It's like you can't have, you know, Thanksgiving dinner without somebody pulling your arm and saying like, <laughs> my elbow hurts. Why does it hurt? You know? And like, I think that the tough part is, is there's just like, uh, like you said, it's so complex, but on the patient end, there's like a lack of, like, they don't know what they're talking about. You know, like, I think a lot of people think like our human body is like a car sometimes to where you're like, you know, my car won't turn on. So it's like, oh, must be the battery, you know, like, it's just like, it's just like that quick. Whereas unfortunately for, you know, musculoskeletal stuff, it's, it's really not the case. And I think people want like that instant gratification of like, oh, this hurts. Yep. This is what's wrong this is how you got to fix it, you know, and it would be nice if it was like that nice, just like linear kind of stepwise thing, but, but it's not. Um, so as far as how do I handle it? Um, if you'd ask my family members, they're probably tired of my spiel because it's like similar to what we're going to talk about today. Um, <laughs> but if it is the average person, let's say somebody I didn't even know just walked right up to me and, and asked me about that, I would direct them to our, some of our early podcast stuff. Because a lot of times some injuries just need to be rested and have activity modification and you're totally good to go. But if it's something, you know, that seems to be a little bit more complex like that, I kind of say, hey, like, I think that it would be not necessarily unsafe, but I was like, I don't want, I, I don't want to lead you down the wrong road just by giving you my knee jerk reaction to that because it's not valuable, you know, like it could right. put an idea in your head that could, you know, make you go all these different directions. And that's without me even being certain what's happening. And I think as healthcare providers, like we forget that, you know, we got our, our words are pretty powerful, you know, like for you, it could be as simple as somebody doesn't know what's wrong with their hip. But for the person that asked you, you could be like, yep, I think you have a, you know, a muscle strain, you know, so the rest of their day, they're thinking about that. So yeah, and then it's, it's the Google, YouTube, they're looking at videos, they're looking at exercises, they do all this stuff. And then if it doesn't get better, then they, they question your, your, you know, your authority essentially too. You almost lose credibility. Yeah. And it's just like, and it's such a small interaction on your part. And I think that's something that, you know, we as practitioners got to, I don't want to say get better at, but just like, you know, we got to realize that. So I think that a good way to highlight this stuff is to do like an example, like you were saying, like, let's walk through like our train of thought of this, you know, this person that you were talking about, like, how you would approach it. So what, like, what were this person's complaints? Like, let's just, let's just kind of break it down. 
So we're going to refer to the person as person because they weren't, they're not a patient. They haven't become a patient. They may become a patient in the future. And if they do, and they want to, you know, jump on the podcast and talk about their experience and we patch them up, uh, that'd be great. But as of right now, we'll refer to them as the person or the CrossFitter. Um, so they had complained of left-sided hip tightness. It was more tightness than pain, but there was some occasional pain there. And they kind of pointed to like just the whole left side of the hip and almost the low back area. Okay. Uh, they said that the problem began a little while back. And again, this is, this all, it, I was like getting ready to go work out. So I wasn't in like the train of thought to be writing things down or really like put a lot of thought into this at the, at, or like what they were saying at the time. But they, I believe they said it had gone on maybe for one to two years. It got better for a short period of time. They had seen another provider um, who was local and it got a little bit better in that period uh, or maybe it got completely better and then it came back on them. Uh, but again, they're, they're a CrossFitter. So there's lots of changes in volume and tons and tons of different movements that they're doing. So it's possible for things to re-aggravate or re-tighten up. Um, they said that the, the tightness was constant and it was in that, that lateral hip area, almost low back area. Things that aggravated it or made the tightness worse seem to be running, lunging, pistol squats. Like they said, they couldn't even, if, if they wanted to do a pistol squat, there's no way they could have done one. Um, so that would pretty much mean any single leg movement, a Bulgarian split squat, any of that stuff. Uh, front squats and back squats will tighten it up, but they could still do them. I asked what relieved the symptom. They said that rest, uh, deloading at the gym, so doing a little bit less overall volume at the gym. And then also uh, just taking a little bit extra time away from the gym. So not necessarily complete rest, but maybe instead of work training five or six days that week, maybe they trained three days and they felt less tight. Uh, they also said that some of the things that they had tried, because that's always a question that I ask, um, what other things have you done or what have you done? And, uh, you know, the first thing they said was they tried that local provider. I'm um, not going to mention what type of provider or anything like that. It doesn't really matter. Uh, they had worked with someone who was a professional. Um, and then they had done some foam rolling to the lateral hip. They had done some lacrosse balling, like laid on it, rolled on it. And they had done the massage gun. Uh, and they really weren't feeling too much relief or if they did get relief, it was very temporary, uh, but it didn't, didn't completely go away. And, you know, after this, this person's telling me all this stuff, I'm sitting back and I'm, I'm trying to think, okay, what, what could be going on? Okay. What, what are some of our potential diagnoses here? And there's a reason why this stuff is a little bit more complex. So I'm going to let you shed a little bit more light on, you know, what that, system looks like and then maybe we can talk about you know some of the different pathologies that this could be because again this person on the spot with a five-minute conversation is asking me to diagnose what's wrong with them or tell them what what's going on and when you guys hear the complexity of all the things that it could be or all the things that we have to differentiate between you might understand why sometimes if you catch you know a medical practitioner off guard like that and they give you like quick spur of the moment advice and it doesn't seem to be like spot on there's kind of a reason, or you might also see the flip side. Like in my case, I'm usually hesitant to give any advice at all. So Craig, tell us a little bit about that process. Uh, what are the things that go on? And then what are some of the diagnoses that it could be? Right. And, and again, none of these are to scare anyone or to, 
it's basically to give you guys an idea or a, a glimpse into our brains as we're going through this process. Yeah. So, I mean, the first step, just like anything else is mm -hmm. you want to make sure nothing serious is going on. And I think that, um, you know, having the short interaction, you might be able to pick up on some of those things. Um, but other than that, it's like, I would say is pretty darn inaccurate. Um, cause when we just, you know, before we do these podcasts, we kind of brainstorm and we get organized. And as soon as, you know, we kind of thought like, what's our just super quick, you hear, you know, hip pain, lateral hip pain, posterior hip pain, what could it be? And, you know, just right off the bat within 30 seconds, we came up with the list. It could be a hip fracture. It could be something called avascular necrosis. It could be a tumor in your hip. It could be lumbar spine radiculopathy. It could be a lumbar spine set joint referral. It could be myalgia parasthetica. It could be a sacroiliac joint problem. It could be femoral acetabular impingement. It could be piriformis syndrome, proximal hamstring tendinopathy, IT band syndrome, glute med tendinopathy, uh, greater trochanteric pain syndrome, trochanteric bursitis. You can see like we can just rattle those things off super quickly um, just based off location alone. So for someone to come in and say like, here's where it hurts, what is it? You know, I hope you can appreciate that just based off location alone, it could be any of those things. That's 14 different diagnoses that were just thrown out there yeah. that have to be differentiated between and all cause pain in the posterior hip, almost low back and lateral hip. And that was just a quick, you know, a pretty quick thrown together list. So the, uh, you know, our first step is, you know, again, in this limited interaction would be like, is something really serious going on? And I think in some of these small, like, Hey, this is, you know, the quick, and dirty. Well, where does it hurt? What makes it better? What makes it worse? Like if, you know, our, our more serious stuff, like our fractures, you know, maybe you can pick that out and be a little bit more accurate. Um, but even something as simple as saying like, well, what makes it better and what makes it worse? Everything that you listed as far as aggravating factors and everything uh, you listed as far as relieving factors, I don't know, 10 out of those 14 things can fit into that category again. Yeah. Um, so when we're talking about like, even if like, Whoever, if you're a patient, if you ask a practitioner and they like fire back some of these questions at you, like it can't just be like, well, it hurts when I run and I lunge, but it feels better when I don't lift as much, you know, like helpful. Yes. Uh, but diagnostic and really helpful. No, like you got to sit down and really get into some of those, uh, you know, some of those subjective uh, complaints. So I think, again, just having this major list here based off, uh, you know, location alone not really helpful. Um, maybe can be helpful for picking out some of the serious stuff, but again, not something that you want to just like can figure out with a couple of minutes of talking, you know, is that something that you tend to see drew or is that like sort of a, you know, an approach you might take in this situation? Yeah. I think there's a couple things with that. I, I think that, you know, as healthcare providers, you know, our job is to figure out what's going on or what's the most likely thing that's going on. And with that, there's a certain frame of mind that we're in when we're going through this process. Like for me, you know, I usually am able to do some homework about that patient. So before, let's say a new patient comes in or signs up to work with me and they're scheduled for 2 p.m. on a Monday, right? I've already got their past medical history. They've already filled out forms for me. So I know some of the other things that they've had going on. I know all their past injuries. So I have a certain level of background information on this individual already before they've even met with me for the first time. Usually I've done a 15 minute phone consultation as well to learn about the problem. So this prompts me, if you think about it, I've already spent, you know, 
maybe 30 minutes with this patient outside of meeting them in person at this point. So I have a pretty good handle on what's going on. So maybe instead of 14 things on that list, maybe I have seven or eight, maybe it's I'm 50% of the way there. And then when I see them in person, I can be way more targeted with my questioning, way more targeted with my exam. So I can take that even a few steps further. But when somebody pulls me aside in the gym and says, hey, man, what do you think is, is going on? And I got five minutes to chat or my head's like, I'm getting ready to work out. Or I'm getting ready to do this. Or um, I, my next patient is about to walk in or I'm eating lunch. Like it's, there's a different level of intention there because we haven't had that 15 minutes to chat on the phone. We haven't, I don't have your medical history and all your background information there. So there's just some, some different things that it's a different situation. It's a, it's a realm that I prefer not to practice medicine in, if that makes sense. Wouldn't you agree? And it's not really the responsible thing to do either. You know, like, uh, I think one thing that people got to watch out for here and, you know, maybe I'm probably even guilty of this, you know, subconsciously as well Is we can have like a something called a cognitive bias, which. There's, there's many time, many different types of cognitive bias, uh, but the one I think that's highlighted here is like a personal experience bias. So like if you've been doing this for you know, 10, 20, 30 years, you might see the person with hip pain and just based off a couple of things, they can fit into this pattern that you've seen over and over again. And you might be able to just, you know, it kind of clicks and it's like, yep, this is, this is it, you know? And I think the problem with that is if you get away from being systematic and if you get away from checking other stuff out, um, you can get someone in trouble, you know, cause not that's everybody how you miss stuff. Not that's how you miss stuff. And you know, not, I'm not calling anyone out, but if, if you've been doing something wrong right off the rip, like you could be doing something wrong for 30 straight years, you know, and, and you don't know if you've sort of just, if you're constantly feeding into this like personal experience bias. And I think that all clinicians have it, you know, I, I have it, you have it, you know, but we got to recognize it and realize that maybe, you know, we can, that can influence our decision, but it's like, not everybody is going to present the same, you know, people will be similar. Like there's only so many ways a patient can present. Like we, we get really good at recognizing patterns, but we also got to realize that our, our pattern recognition is never going to be hundred percent. It's kind of like you talked about. It's like, we're, we're constantly doing all this information gathering, 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 and we're always narrowing down, narrowing down, like throughout our whole process. It's sort of like a funnel you take all your stuff in the top of the funnel um, and then you just, you kind of shake it around and slowly as you get towards the bottom, you, you're a little more specific. So if you come in and just say, you know, this, my hip hurts, you know, you're working with the top of the funnel and, you know, and that's no good, you know, like we, that's where all of our stuff is. That's not really helpful. So if, you know, if, if we are moving forward with this, then what would you say like, uh, would be our next step. Like, let's say if this person ended up wanting to be, uh, you know, a patient or like, let's say you had like, you know, in our hypothetical world here, you could sit down for another 15, you know, 20 minutes, like what would, or what would be the appropriate way of doing this? You know, what would be better than the, okay, this hurts. What do I do? Question. Yeah. It, it would basically be <laughs> set up an appointment. <laughs> Of course, Set of yeah, appointment of and give me give me an hour to thoroughly examine and you know make sure that everything is uh, moving in the right direction. So uh, what that actually looks like, first I need to have more information. So I would need to ask a ton more questions. So I need to know what your previous injuries are, uh, if there were any previous back injuries, any previous hip injuries. Was there a surgery? Uh, it's funny because a lot of times people leave that out. They're like, oh, I didn't know that surgery was 
you know, to my hip was important. Like, yeah, that's definitely important. So I need to know any past surgeries, especially surgeries on that side. If you had an ankle surgery on the left side, a knee surgery on the left side, um, you know, those are all relevant to this case because what's going on further away from the joint can work its way up and impact, you know, higher up. Uh, some other questions that I need to know, other past medical history information. Uh, is the person diabetic? Does the person have any other uh, cardiac conditions, lung conditions? <laughs> Nowadays, are they coughing or sneezing? Do they have a fever? Um, you know, do they have other symptoms of uh, some, you know, some of our contemporary issues with like COVID? You know, so there's, there's other screening questions that, you know, additionally go along with all of that as well. Um, is there any clicking, popping, or catching in their hip? Clicking, popping, catching in their back? Have they experienced any numbness or tingling uh, since this started? Um, you know, when they did have, if they did have back issues, was it on the same side or was this on the opposite side? Do they have any imaging? You know, was there an x-ray done or an MRI done of the spine or the hip or the knee or, you know, any of these areas? Um, what makes it worse? So like some things that I was thinking of that, you know, I would also ask from aggravating factors, does it get worse with sitting? Does it get worse with rolling over? Is it worse with bending over? Is it tighter or stiffer in the morning? Um, you know, some of these questions are all, you know, really pertinent to this case, but within five minutes, you just can't discover all of that. Um, and it's hard to dig into that when you're, you know, just in an open gym setting. So, you know, from a questioning standpoint, there's still another 15 to 20 minutes to go. And then the other, I'd say probably 40 minutes is a combination of testing out what we think it is. So the subjective part or the asking question part is to take those 14 diagnoses and bring them down to a top three. Once you get to a top three, four or five, somewhere in there, you, you definitely want to narrow it down more than 14. Uh, I usually like a top three, um, but sometimes if things are a little bit muddy and everything hurts, you might have to go for a top like four or five. And then from there, we do specific testing to these different areas to eliminate the likelihood that the problem is due to one of those other areas. So Craig, do you want to talk a little bit about what that examination, what that examination process looks like? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've, up until this point, we've done a lot of the talking portion, which I think is, you know, the key. It's like super key. And this one more thing, if I could kind of walk back to it was this this crossfitter you know person as we're calling them they're healthy enough to do crossfit so why has this injury not gone away like we got to learn about this person you know yeah. like we got to figure out we got to kind of dive deep into what you know might be causing this and that's all taken care of like you said it's more like detailed you know patient history um and after we do that like you said we're kind of funneling we're still working down the list and then once we get to like you said your top three then how do we know like is the top three even good? That's when we do our objective testing, you know? So we do things like we look at your, we would, in this case, we have to look at the spine. We have to look at the pelvis and the sacrum and the hip and the knee and the ankle. And we have to sort of do our, our movement assessment, um, which, you know, that's our bread and butter. And then we kind of say like, okay, were we right with these top three? Do we like one more than the other? Do we have to go back to the drawing board and look back at our list of 14 and pick something else? And I think that's where, that's like the secret sauce of all this is like after we do our objective examination, which in our past podcasts, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, kind of specifically 
what we do, then we're able to kind of create like this, this picture. And that's like something you can't do strictly by talking to someone. I think like the old medical adage is like 75% of people you can diagnose just from their subjective, you know, and I think that, you know, we as PTs, we want to do better than that. And I think that we absolutely can, because it's not only figuring out like what is causing your hip pain, but it's also figuring out like the, the reason that it's going on in the first place. So like the way I like to look at it is, is this like a purely biomechanical thing? Like is something not moving right? Is, you know, something not, I don't like to use the term alignment, but is something in its correct alignment or your movement patterns okay? Is it neurophysiological? You know, are we causing some aggravation on like the nervous system? Is this a biochemical thing? Like is something inflamed? Is this something that medication might you know, take care of? Or is it psychological? Not saying that anyone's crazy and pain is in their head, but it's definitely a prevalent factor. And it's like kind of finding those four things and which is the prominent one, or do they all play uh, equal part, and then matching it up with our, you know, quote unquote, medical diagnosis. And then I think we get like that clear picture. And that's not something that you just come up with in a couple minutes. Um, is there something that you do similar, Drew, or I guess what's your style as far as like, once you got your, the talking part, you know, the subjective, we call it part done, um, as far as like next step is concerned. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's usually uh, diving in deeper and watching their spine move, watching their hip move, you know, watching all these different body parts move, checking their mobility at each and every one of those joints, checking the strength of all the muscles at each of those joints, uh, performing these these tests. We have special tests that help us essentially provide a diagnosis. They give us the likelihood that one thing is the cause of the problem versus the likelihood that it's not. And these are all, it's basically a game of percentages and you perform these tests in different, well, they can be in whatever order you want them to be in, but based on whether or not they recreate or reproduce that familiar pain or that familiar tightness, that's how we know whether or not we're finding a test that is positive or negative. And we'll run you through these a very large series of tests and we'll basically put each of those joints I guess you could say for better, for lack of words, like under a microscope, <laughs> you know, where we're looking at all the different components of them. And then from there, we'll break out into functional movements. So the movements that actually cause the pain. So in this person's case, we might look at a, a lunge, we might look at a quarter pistol, we might look at uh, just a standard air squat. Um, if they don't have the tightness with an air squat, then we'll need to load them up to until they start to feel that tightness and we'll see what happens when we load them you know under more i guess more stress to their system and then if their hips are shifting one way or their spine's doing something funny like we'll be able to pick that out and once we pick that apart then we figure out a treatment direction we find out where the cause of the problem is um, but what it sounded like is this person was doing a lot of treating the symptoms you know oh it's tight here well let me roll on a lacrosse ball let me hit it with a foam roller. Let me use the massage gun on it. Um, and, and that may have been, may or may not have been what the provider that the person saw in the past did. Again, I didn't dig into all that. But a lot of times we find that people will spend more time treating the symptoms rather than the cause. So um, for me, it's all about identifying that cause and then, you know, beginning treatment once I know exactly, you know, or the highest likelihood of what is going on. Because again, we can never be 100% sure but the art and the skill in all of this is being able to start with a blank slate 
build the case for something. And then your goal is to prove all of these different things wrong until you're left with one specific diagnosis. And then at that point, you're treating and trying to solve that problem to the best of your abilities. Um, but it's always a working process because that patient may come back um, and they might say, hey, things are getting better. If things are getting better in that next visit, yeah, you keep going with the plan. They come back and they say, hey, things actually took a turn. They're actually worse than before. Hey, back to the drawing board. We don't know exactly what's going on or we deliver the wrong treatment and we know exactly what's going on. So, um, and then there's some things that just don't get better either. So uh, that's also the realistic part. Not, not everybody responds to conservative care. I'd say majority of the people that I see, um, you know, 85 to 95% respond to the, to the different things that I do. Um, but there are surgical candidates. There's a reason we have surgeons and, you know, some people, unfortunately, they belong in that boat. Um, this person, I'm pretty confident they, that they did not based on just our short conversation. Usually you can kind of have an idea when you first speak to someone uh, based on some of the symptoms and the things that they're telling you. But anything to add to that, Craig? Uh, nothing to add, just kind of, well, I think one great thing that you that you brought up was like people just kind of treating the symptoms. And I think that's something on this podcast, we do a really good job of trying to like hone in and find like the root cause of, of stuff. So if I had to highlight, just talk about one thing that you said that struck me, that would definitely be it. Um, but it is, it's just kind of like my big, I guess, moving on to the next section here, like my biggest pet peeve is like, someone comes up and is like, well, I, my friend is a doctor or I talked to my doctor real quickly or I Googled real quick and you know, they said I have this and, and this is, this is what I have, you know? And I would say to all of our listeners out there that like, don't accept that. That's like very, very inaccurate from like a, from like a scientific standpoint. I think that to put it in like another analogy, another world analogy, like where would you accept that in any other part of your life? Like if I had like, my retirement savings and my investor was like, well, usually when I put my money in this stock, it tends to go up. Like, like, no, like I want to see some numbers, you know, give me some numbers, give me some tests. Or if my car wasn't working and the mechanic was like, well, you know, normally when I just replace this fuse, it should start right up. Like, nobody would accept that in any other like facet of life. So when it comes to this kind of stuff, like don't accept it either. You know, if, if someone, uh, you know, it's like, if you, ask someone real briefly and they're like they confidently fire back you You definitely have this like you know i guess i would want to know why so i would say just be a you know be a informed consumer to anyone that gets like a really quick like confident answer when they ask like some of these you know health questions and that's not to say that like some things can be diagnosed and treated quickly for sure you know but it should be a little more of an interaction than the outside of my hip hurts. Yep. You have a uh, hip bursitis. Let me give you a cortisone injection and then I'll see you when I see you. Yeah. I couldn't agree more, Craig. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, as far as this particular case, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this person has not become a patient. Um, so we may never know what was going on with them. <laughs> we may never have any clue at all. Um, you know, at some point maybe they will. And, you know, if we do figure out their problem, they might be able to come onto the podcast and, um, you know, maybe talk a little bit more about it. Again, I haven't left any details in here that's where if this person even listens to the podcast, I have a funny feeling they probably wouldn't even know that, you know, this has anything to do with them whatsoever. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, cases like this come along, um, you know, a lot of pathology, believe it or not, is somewhat elusive. 
Um, if you don't take someone through a systematic process of evaluation, oftentimes you will find that you will be treating the wrong area and patients will not get better. So, and that's why I, I refuse to just give out medical advice on the fly like that. I refuse to do it because, and, and I hope this podcast episode was a testament to why there's so much breadth and depth to what we do. You know, people will feel a tightness and then they'll go to YouTube and they'll look up the next foam rolling thing they can do to, to work on the tightness. And they think if they just foam roll every day, then it's going to solve all their problems. And again, foam rolling, it feels good. It helps. Uh, same thing with lacrosse ball, same thing with massage gun, but the body's way more complex than people give it credit for. And I think at the end of the day, um, you know, you see a lot of people with chronic injuries because they don't go see a professional to get things solved or, they just ask, a, you know, someone in their family who's, you know, a physical therapist or a Cairo or a massage therapist. And they're like, hey, you know what's going on with my shoulder? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's real tight. Yeah, just do this stretch. Um, and then it doesn't get better and it lingers and lingers and lingers until it becomes a real problem and it becomes tricky to solve. So, yeah. And just to back you up there, I think like as healthcare professionals, like we want to help, you know, and like you want to give somebody an answer. And I think that there is like some pressure as a provider to like, sound right or help people or be right. You know, like, um, I think there's like that you want to do good. Um, and I think there's like a big problem, like medically for like that instant gratification, you know? So I think you're, you know, don't, as a listener, don't be frustrated. If someone says, you know what, it's pretty complex. I think you should actually get it checked out. I think that's the best advice you could get versus up, just ice it and go get a massage. You know, like it's, it's kind of like the, the simple solution is go see somebody. Um, so definitely take that to heart versus like a, someone that's going to be like, just go treat the symptoms. So thank you. Yeah. So if you catch me or Craig at a gym somewhere and you listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. We're just trying to help, man. Take it easy on us. We're not going to know. We don't have like a special vision that like tells us exactly what's wrong. I swear some people think we have like MRI vision or yeah. something. It's just like, it's like better than MRI. It tells them exactly what's going on. But um, yeah, I mean like, so if you see us in the gym and you got something going on, like try to schedule something with one of us or schedule some time to chat, become a patient, go through the process um, because every single patient uh, that I see is in and of itself a research study. I am collecting data every single appointment and that data is guiding my decisions. When I have no data and I'm just throwing things at you, which doesn't happen because I don't practice that way. Um, that's when people don't get results. Providers that don't get results don't track data every single visit. They just don't. Um, and that's the biggest difference between the way that I practice, the way that you practice, and the way that other people practice is we collect as much data as we can because when we do need to say we do have a surgical candidate, we can reach out to that surgeon or whoever we're making our referral to and give them a very, very detailed um, explanation of what we've done with the patient, where the patient's currently at, um, and what we've done total uh, to see if we can provide a response. And if we can't, then that next provider can make a decision as to whether or not uh, surgery or an injection or something else is the next best option for that patient. So Craig, what are your key takeaways from, from all this craziness today? Key takeaways, nice and simple. 
So as a listener to all of our podcast listeners out there, just realize that in some cases, most cases, it's just not that simple. There might be times when you actually got to get some skilled care. And that's why people like me and Andrew exist. Uh, point two, the body is pretty complex and it's pretty hard to figure things out. Hopefully we did a good job of highlighting that today. So don't let someone fool you into thinking that they can be overly accurate just by talking to you for a couple minutes. Uh, having someone quickly diagnose you just based off only your pain location or after a sh very short interaction sometimes can lead you down the wrong path. And that could end up, uh, you know, causing a big problem out of something that, you know, might initially present as pretty small. Um, a good exam is key, just like we talked about today. Just because of a specific part of your body hurts, that doesn't always mean that that's the direct cause of the pain. And you need to have a professional figure that out. And lastly, you know, everyone isn't perfect. There's going to be some trial error involved, and that's going to be from you as the patient and the practitioner. So sometimes you might need to try a few different paths to get to your destination because hopefully as you just realize there's, you know, many things that can be going on. Absolutely. Well said, Craig. I, I couldn't agree with any of those points more. Um, you know, with that being said, thank you guys for tuning into the Straight Talk Physio podcast. If you like what you're hearing, it would mean the world to us if you subscribe to this podcast and the Peak Physiotherapy and Performance YouTube channel. For more information about us, check us out on Facebook at Peak Physiotherapy and Performance and on Instagram at P3 Physiotherapy. For more information about Craig, you can follow him at Dr. Craig G underscore PT on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any topic suggestions, comments, or questions, feel free to email us at thestraighttalkphysiopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for watching and we hope you have an awesome day.